Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thankful for this day, and I'm thankful for yet another opportunity to share your word, and I pray that, Lord, we look beyond the messenger, Lord, and look at the message. Father, I'm thankful for your word, and I'm thankful for all that you do in our lives and through our lives. I'm thankful, Lord, that you would continue to bless this church with the pastor that we have had here, Lord, for such a so it's a long time, Lord. I'm so thankful for that. So, so many churches today are struggling just to find somebody to fill the pulpit. And Lord, for decades now, we've had Brother Brad and his family here serving this church and serving this community. And Father, Lord, I, I just want to take a moment and say thank you for that. We appreciate that more than words can say. I pray, Father, Lord, for this church, and I pray, Father, Lord, for this community, Lord, and we know, Lord, that there are so many needs. Lord, we're made aware of needs on a daily basis, Lord, from those, Lord, that are struggling physically with problems, those, Lord, who've gotten bad doctor reports, those that are scared, those that are about to have surgery, and those that are about to come out of surgery. We know, Lord, that there are those that are struggling financially, emotionally, and spiritually. Lord, Father, we're... There are those, Lord, that are facing new challenges today that they've never faced before. But, Lord, through it all, there you are. Jesus, thank you for being with us, leading us, and guiding us. And, Lord, now as we get ready to, to preach your word, I just, I need you here. Jesus, I just ask, Lord, that you would lead us and guide us through your word that you will bless the words, Lord, that are spoken today and let them, Lord, find not just resting place on our hearts, Lord, that you would use your word to motivate us, Lord, to rebuke us, to correct us, to comfort us, correct us, whatever it might be. We just pray, Lord, for your word and your will to be done. All these things we ask in your name. Amen. Amen. Um, Megan texted me this morning and asked me if I had a slide put together, and it's a good thing I didn't because I was, I was telling Brad, I, I came in this morning thinking I knew exactly what we were going to do, and then I sat down upstairs in the office, the next thing I know, I'm like, oh, click place, delete, add, completely turn things upside down, so please bear with me. Um, I don't have a, a presentation up there. Today is, in fact, Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And uh, I kid around with Brad, and I've joked around from time to time saying that this is the one time a year, the one day a year that we force ourselves to appreciate our pastor. But I hope he knows that that's not true. And I hope he realizes that we as a church, we not only appreciate you, we respect you, we value you, we love you. And uh, that has not just one day a year. That's year-round. I mean that. And uh, me personally, I'm going to say that I appreciate and love you and honor you because you're a man of God. And you teach. You preach. And Brad, you, you strive every day to live a life that's grounded and founded on sound doctrine. 
And that's what we're going to preach about today is, is sound doctrine. We're going to not only define sound doctrine, which is always a good place to start, we're going to be talking about its importance, how vital it is to have sound doctrine in our lives, especially in these last days. We're going to not only give some examples out of God's Word, and the first example we're going to be giving is actually, if you want to turn there, uh, unsheathe your swords. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, that's where we're going to start reading today. An excellent example of sound doctrine. But as we go on through the message, we're going to also give you some examples of unsound doctrine. Some things that we must, as a church and as individuals, be on constant guard against. And then in the time remaining, I want us to turn our attention back to sound doctrine. Discuss, once again, is it vital? Does it matter? Does it matter whether or not your doctrine is sound or not? Does it matter as long as you believe something? Isn't that enough? We're going to discuss that in short, and then we'll... We're going to assume that you are all, we are all in agreement that sound doctrine matters, it's important, and I'm going to give some tips as to where to find it. So if you want to turn with me again over to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to go back into it. It says, I charge thee, therefore, before God... And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall the heat themselves teach to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables or myths but watch thou in all things endure affliction do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of your ministry it says there i Charge. I who? Timothy is writing this. Excuse me. Uh, Paul is writing this to Timothy. But as we know, as Paul speaks here and pens these words, these are being written by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I don't think it's too far of a leap to say that as Paul says, I, he is speaking for God. So we can say here, God, I, God, charge you. You who? Us, you and I, not just Timothy. We read this today, and this is applicable to you and I right now. So it says here that I, Paul, or God, charge you who, us, you and I today, not just Timothy, who is going to judge the living and the dead. Right there is a... Beautiful piece, wonderful piece of sound doctrine. There is a judge. 
and judgment is coming. And death, it says there, quick and the dead, the living and the dead, death is no escape. Romans 14, 9 says, Christ died and returned to life for this, that he might be Lord over both the dead and the living. But you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me, every tongue will give praise to God. So then each of us will give an account unto God himself. So to answer the first question is, Sound doctrine important, and why? I would say, yes, sound doctrine is important, and why? Because you're going to be judged based on the doctrine you live by. And that judgment is sure. And who is the judge? God is the judge. Not your brother and sister in Christ, not your neighbor, not your co-worker. God is the judge. In Isaiah 33, 22, it says, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. It is he who will save us. And he can judge us because he, God, is holy. And 1 Samuel 2, 2 says, There is none, no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock. Like our God. But don't fear. God is righteous. And he alone is righteous. In Psalms 96 verse 13 it says. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness. And the peoples in his faithfulness. And don't worry. God's not going to make any mistakes in his judgment. Because God is perfect. Psalm 18.30 says, As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. And remember this. God is just. In Psalm 9, verses 7 through 8, The Lord reigns forever. He has established His throne for judgment. He rules the world in righteousness and judge judges the people with equity. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ who should judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. And your doctrine matters because he and he alone is judge. He is holy, he is righteous, he is perfect, and he is just. So your doctrine matters. And we're told, we're given instructions. And again, this is good doctrine right here. This is good word. We're told in verse 2, preach the word. Be ready, in season and out of season. In other words, don't just preach your doctrine. But live it on a daily basis, in season and out. Whether you're behind the pulpit or out in the community. And use that word to correct, to rebuke, 
and to encourage. And we are to use the word to do these things with great patience. And that only mean, not only means that you are to have great patience with those who you are rebuking or encouraging. And trust me, I know, I get on some folks' last nerve. I get it, I get it. Um, none of y'all ever get on mine, I'm telling you, I'm, I, y'all. But sometimes we have those in our lives that all you have to do is just say, man, they need Jesus. And walk away. <laughs> it takes patience. But it also means be patient when you're the one getting rebuked. When you're the one needing encouragement. And whatever you take from that, use it then to teach, to learn from, and to share with others. Verse 3 there says, for the time will come. And my friends, that time is now. Now more than ever, I believe. Has there always been resistance to God's word? Yes, there has. Has there always been those who want to corrupt the teachings of Christ? Have there always been counterfeit believers, counterfeit Christians? Yes, there has been. But today as we look around and we look at some of these uh, unsound doctrines that we're going to look at here in a few minutes, things have gotten so much worse. But the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. That goes back to being patient. Being, being able to tolerate. When someone is able to look you in the eye and say, Brother, sister in Christ, what you're doing is wrong. Being able to tolerate that. There is a world out there that simply will not tolerate good word anymore. But according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to an ear. They have itching ears. They want to hear what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And they'll flock together and join in congregations of thousands upon thousands every day. To enjoy pep rallies, to be told about how good they are and how much God can do for them instead of how wretched we are and how much we should be doing for God. They will turn away from the hearing of the truth and will turn aside to myths or fables. But as for you, as for you, as for me, Exercise self-control in everything. Endure hardship. And my friends, that's not on my list as far as unsound doctrine today. But man, I'm going to tell you, there's, some, uh, there's a lot of preachers out there today preaching that if you are where you need to be in God, you won't have hardship. I'm here to tell you right here, it says you as a believer should endure hardship. I'm going to tell you that if you, are, you, if you are where you at and doing what you should be doing, there will be hardship. And you are to endure it. To do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. And before you say, well, I'm not behind a pulpit, Brother Dan. I, uh, Brother Brad, I, I haven't been called to be a, a minister or a pastor or a preacher. or I don't teach a class. 
Every single one of us has a, a missionary mission. Every single one of us are evangelists in some way. So sound doctrine. Doesn't matter. You hear this today. Oh, it, as long as you believe something, as long as you believe something and live by something, that's all that matters. So let's define what sound doctrine is. Sound doctrine will reflect God's intent for his word. It will judge the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Sound doctrine will be useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting, and training in God's righteousness. Sound doctrine thoroughly equips us for every good work. Sound doctrine will be a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. Sound doctrine will keep us on the path of purity and will give us understanding to the simple and growth our salvation in the process. In other words, sound doctrine will lead you closer to Christ and be more like Christ in the process. So if your goal today is to have a better relationship with God, to live closer to God, to not only be blessed but be a blessing, then yes, my friend, sound doctrine matters. Meredith Hodge wrote this in a, in, a, in a broadcast, Open the Bible. And she, she does a really good job of, prayer for, of putting this all together. Uh, and she was asked the question, does sound doctrine matter? And she answers it this way. She says, the quick answer is yes. Because our faith is based on incredibly specific message. Modifying or distorting it can have detrimental and eternal impact. The gospel is the basis for our salvation. Therefore, we need to watch our life and doctrine very closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearts, according to 1 Timothy 4.16. Essentially, what Paul is urging there in Timothy, if you don't pay attention to your life or what doctrine says, you will lose yourself and anyone who hears what you say. It matters because it matters to God and eternity is at risk. So again, what is sound doctrine? Here's a dictionary definition for you. Sound doctrine is accurate scriptural teaching on theological truths that lead to spiritual health and transformed lives of individuals and church. Well, that's a lot of big words. And I find it easier to focus on more what sound doctrine would do for us and how we use it to help better understand what it is. Sound doctrine is a guide for reading and teaching the Bible. The goal of reading and teaching Scripture is to love God. And the way we love God is to know God. Correct? 
Sound doctrine tells us what God is like so that we may love him more. And sound doctrine is an important guard for interpreting scripture. How many know? How many would agree with this? You can take any scripture out of God's word, out of context, and preach anything you want. And it's dangerous. You have to have the sound doctrine of knowing what the context is, how it is to be applied to your lives. Those do- that sound doctrine gives us guardrails. If it doesn't sound right, it probably isn't right. It helps, sound doctrine helps ensure that we confess and delight in all that Scripture teaches rather than setting one, pas- one passage against another and drawing conclusions from one passage that may, if taken out of context, contradict the other. There are a lot of folks today confused because they think this word contradicts itself over and over again. My friend, there is no contradiction or no error in this word. Whether it's contradiction or their error, it resides in us and our lack of understanding or a lack of proper, good, sound doctrine in our lives. Sound doctrine nourishes holiness. It, it, it guards and it grows holiness in your life. Every biblical doctrine embraced by the mind and applied to the heart conforms us to the character of Christ. You want to know what it is to be a Christian? You want to know how it is, what we should be doing as a Christian? What would Jesus do? Those little bracelets that everybody used to have. You want to know what would Jesus do? Read your word. Sound doctrine drives us to devote ourselves more completely to God in our thoughts, our desires, our attitude, words, and actions. In all of this, this is what the Bible calls holiness. Holiness is more than just what you do. It's what you think. It's what you feel. Salvation is completely transformative. And what guides that process the word of God. Sound doctrine. Jesus prayed for that. In John 17, 17, he says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Sound doctrine is the foundation for unity in our church as well. It's not just for unity and stability in your life. It's for unity and stability within the church family. We did a study a couple well, I guess months back on Corinthians. We did a, through the entire book of 1 Corinthians. Corinthians was a church that had a lot of problems. But in the very first problem that they were addressed there in Corinthians was that church was divided over who they were going to follow. Some were saying, well, I'm of Paul. And the others were saying, no, I'm of Paulus. And, oh, no, I'm of Christ. I'm of this. I believe this. And I believe that. And Paul's response there in 1 Corinthians 1.13 is, Is Christ divided? Is God's word divided? You want to have stability and unity in a church? Have stability and unity in what you believe. But there are false doctrines out there. And one of the main reasons for false doctrine, it's a tool by the devil... And it's Satan 
Father of lies. It's a tool by the devil to do that exact opposite of what the Word of God and sound doctrine will do. The sound doctrine nourishes us holiness, helps us to be more like Christ, gives you foundation to our lives. Sound doctrine, the Word of God, puts a, 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 us in the right direction to live a life more like Jesus has called us to. Sound doctrine brings us together as a community and as a church and gives us unity together as a church family. Unsound doctrine puts a line right down the middle and divides us all. Here are some examples of the more prevalent, persuasive, seductive, or any other adjective I could put out there on it. Dangerous. I hate calling them more popular, but these are some of the false doctrines that we're combating against today more than ever. The first, the erasing of hell. Hell doesn't exist. We did a lesson, we did a, a, a couple week lesson on different occults and some of the pseudo-Christian organizations that are out there. And a number of them Preach that there is no hell. The Bible describes hell as a real place, eternal torment, a destination for every unregenerate or unsaved soul. A denial of hell directly contradicts Jesus' own words. And therefore, it's false doctrine. Another false doctrine is the idea that there are many paths to God. Is that what this says? No. There's only one way to God. Jesus is either a liar or a lunatic or he's Lord. And that's what this says. The philosophy, and that's what it is today, it's a philosophy or ideology... That there is more ways to God has become very popular recently. And it's all under the guise of tolerance. Tolerance ought to be a four-letter word. It's dirty. This false doctrine claims that since God is love, he will accept any religious effort as long as the practitioner, practitioner is sincere. Universalism. Can we all not just get along? Jesus said directly that he is the only way. To believe anything else, to teach anything else. You're under the teaching or the preaching of anything else. You are under the preacher of preaching of a false prophet, a false God. Any teaching that redefines the person of Jesus Christ is false. He wants to call in the question the divinity of who Christ is. And there are so many, including the Muslims, will say that Christ was a good man. He's a prophet, but he's not the Son of God. The virgin birth, that's going a little too far. We'll redefine virgin. They'll deny his actual death. They'll deny his actual uh, resurrection. 
And then there are many, and we, we talked about that again on our Wednesday night Bible study. There are some uh, Gnostic-type uh, faiths that are out there today that would say that Jesus actually never was here physically. It was all a spiritual manifestation. My friends, if Jesus wasn't real, if he wasn't 100% man, he was not and is not your sacrifice. Jesus is 100% man, 100% God, and he is and forever will be the only way. And any doctrine that teaches otherwise, it's false. Any teaching that adds human religious work to Christ's finished work on the cross as necessity to the ingredients of salvation, it's false doctrine. Christ did it all. Anyone that teaches that it's God plus anything else is wrong. Jesus died on the cross for your sins because your death on the cross still wouldn't have mattered. Still would have ended up in hell. He was the only one that could have died for our sins. And if there were any other way, Jesus even said, God, is there any other way? He wouldn't have gone to that cross, but there was no other way. That's just a form of legalism. And it's prevalent in today's churches. The teaching that presents grace as a license to sin. That's a false doctrine. You see, you got to preach those two together. Because some would say that there's really you're only one way or the other. You're the preaching that it's grace and you, there's, there's forgiveness for all sins. Therefore, you can live how you want to live. There's grace and forgiveness for all your sins. But we don't live the way we used to live. Because we're now transformed by his word and the Holy Spirit on our lives. We're new creatures now. Satan has been confusing and perverting the word of God since the Garden of Eden, has he not? And I can't give you all the uh, examples of false doctrine in the world because for every truth that comes out of the word of God, there are countless other counterfeits and lies that the devil will spawn to try to lead people astray. The greatest lie in me is is 99% truth. And they'll take God's word, they'll take the doctrine, and they'll twist it, pervert it in some minor way for their own goal, for their own purpose. That's why it is vital that you know the word of God and what it teaches. In Titus chapter 1, verses 9 through 16, Paul is now talking to Titus. And he talks about those that want to take doctrine and falsify it and twist it to their own means. He says there in verse 9, holding fast the faithful word. In that time, what are we supposed to do? Hold fast to the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the naysayers. They're going to be naysayers, church. How do, you, how do you rebuke? How do you exhort? How do you convince? Apologetics 101, you got to know 
but you know. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision. In other words, even those that should be part of the church today, they act like they're part of the church, and they're, they're the ones causing the trouble. Whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for filthy lucre's sake. In other words, for money. For money. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Christians are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. This witness is true, wherefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in their faith. In other words, sound doctrine leads to sound faith. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men that turn away from the truth. Until all pure things are pure. Until the very end. But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They possess, profess, excuse me, that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work retrobate. Titus chapter 2, verse 2, excuse me, verse 1 says, But as for you, all those false doctrines are out there today. All those false teachers that are out there. Those that the world will look to and say, oh, they're a bunch of hypocrites. But as for you, what is your responsibility? Verse 1 says, but as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Speak the word. So again, what is sound doctrine? Where do we find it? Well, there in Titus. Paul makes a direct, uh, in verse 9, he draws a direct line. The faithful word and the sound doctrine are one. So I've been hinting around at it this whole time. You want to know what sound doctrine is? That's the very word of God. It is the right teaching in the Bible. The words that inspire and preserve by God himself that saves the sinner and sanctifies the saints. Adoran Gordon said this, Doctrine is the framework of life, the skeleton of truth to be clothed and rounded out by living grace of holy life. In other words, my friends, the word of God is the very foundation on which our faith rests. So where do you find sound doctrine? Well, Paul said in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing the word of God so then, if we want to learn what sound doctrine is, hold on tight. This is something Brad has been preaching for years now. We need to open our Bibles. If you want to teach sound doctrine, you've got to study your Bible. And if we want to live out sound doctrine, that means we have to believe and obey the teachings from our Bible. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Jen Wilkins said this, Bible literacy matters because it protects us from falling into error. Both the false teacher and the secular humanist rely on biblical ignorance for their messages to take root. And the modern church has proven fertile ground for those messages. So what's Wilkins saying? And I think they're correct. The modern church today is full of biblical ignorance. False teachers are, in fact, everywhere. We got a humdinger one down the road in Warrior right now. They lead people astray with their feel-good messages that prey on emotion and core needs, our core needs to be seen, to be known, and to be loved. They tickle that ear. They give sermons focused on self and not what God owes us. Instead, they focus on what God owes us. In other words, they focus on what God owes us, not what we owe him. They teach and preach half-truths and in many cases, straight-up lies that come at us from all kinds of directions. I sat there, uh, I forced myself to listen to that wolf in sheep clothing uh, message of his from up there. In, that's a cult, guys, up there in Warrior. Uh, I forced myself to listen to one of his messages so I could be, make an intelligent, have an intelligent conversation with others if they asked me about him, as they've completely bought the town of Warrior just about. And as I sat there and listened to this message, I kept thinking to myself, Does he, has he actually read the word? Because some of the stuff coming out of his mouth, first off, it ain't in there. Some of the stuff he's reading are direct misquotes. And the problem is, his whole church are full with people who are still just as ignorant, if not more ignorant, of what the word of God says than he, than he is. I don't know everything there is to know in God's Word, and I am so thankful for that. I'm thankful that I'm still learning. But I can tell you what, and I can't, I can't quote chapter and verse top of my head. I have to write it down. I, 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 can't, I don't have the memory for that. But you know what? If I hear something that ain't quite right, I call it my little warning bells. Something, something tingles. That's the Holy Spirit telling me, ah, that ain't quite right. And you know what I can do? I know how to because I've, I've trained myself. I've learned. I know then how to go back to the Word of God and then verify what it is that was said. The Apostle Paul encourages pastors to teach sound doctrine, to counteract lies, to convince the naysayers, and to convict the conscience of those who are steeped in sin. So, in closing, five ways to learn sound doctrine. The first, read your Bible consistently. Consistently. There are bad habits. 
But there are good ones too. You need to make a good habit of reading the Word of God. And you know what? If that means you have to start with just 15 minutes a day, then you start with 15 minutes a day. But if God leads you to 30 minutes, an hour, however long you have, you can't tell me you can't carve out 30 minutes of your busy day to listen to what God has to say to you. Consistently read the Word of God. I don't understand what it says. That's okay. I'm still learning too. Consistently read the Word. Next, study the Bible. Learn how to study your Bible. I was a believer for decades before I understood what those little numbers and all those, what's all this written in the bottom of my Bible? And what's all this stuff in the middle of the Bible? And why is there a little A? And why is there a little star? I didn't understand how to use those notes. I didn't know how to use the references. I didn't know how to use a concordance. That's fine. You learn how to use those things. You take advantage. When God puts you on a ch to chase the squirrel, chase that squirrel and see where it leads you. And if you got a problem learning how to do those things, guess what? The number three thing, attend a church that preaches the sound doctrine. And I am thankful for what, 24 years? Is that what it long? For 24 years, we've had a pastor here at this church that preaches sound doctrine. And I can assure you, if you have difficulty wanting to learn and study your word, and you need somebody to help you to understand it, he'll help you understand it. But then the next thing is to sign up for discipleship. That means you've got a little bit of responsibility. Nana, bless her heart, she said it. Thank God for Sunday school. There is a time, a set time, every Sunday that we set aside to teach the Word. You've got problems understanding or deciphering it and wanting to learn more about how to, how to track down the meaning of a word, how to track down the meaning of a name. What's this mean? Who are the Philistines? What do they do? Wait a minute. Who's the Syrians? What's the difference between the Syrians and the Syrians? What's going on here? What's the difference between Chronicle? I mean, you, can get, you can chase all this stuff. You get confused. Guess what? We all get confused. Get around and in discipleship groups that can help you make sense of it all. Your Wednesday night Bible studies, your, your Bible study groups on, on Sunday morning, your Bible study groups on the middle of the week, like the women's Bible study groups. Sign up and take advantage of discipleship. Our marriage and, and, our marriage and, and, and family groups. And then above all things, number five, pray for discernment. God's Word is not a history book. There's history in it. God's Word is not a science book, but there's science in it. God's Word is not a romance novel, but there's romance in it. It's not a comedy, but there's some things that are laughable. Certainly, our Sunday school class had a couple of laughs over some of it, right? The only way to truly understand this book is through the leadership of the Holy Spirit. 
This takes spiritual eyes to see. So you pray for discernment. And I'm going to close this morning's service and, uh, with a prayer. And we're going to turn the service over to, uh, to Caleb. We have some, some things we need to do, some business we need to take care of, some things that's going on, some folks want to say some things. Uh, but I'm going to close this out with a prayer by Charles Spurgeon. He says this, Lord, send your life throughout the entire church. Visit your church. Restore sound doctrine and holy, earnest living. Take away from professing Christians their love of frivolities, their attempts to meet the world on its own ground and give back the old love of the doctrines of the cross and Christ. May free grace and dying love again be the music that refreshes the church and makes her heart exceedingly glad. Amen.